Amen. Let's turn our Bibles now to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to um, we're going to skip around a bit from Genesis 6 to Genesis 7. But we're going to start in Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to go through uh, verses 5 through 8. And then we're going to pick up in verse 17. We're going to talk about today the door of refuge. The door of refuge. Genesis chapter 6. Let's start together in verses 5 through 8. Genesis 6, 5 through 8. It says, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Skip down to verse 17. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark. To keep them alive with you, they shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all, all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. And then Genesis 7 verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I'm going to preach this morning on the door of refuge. You remember last week when I shared with you the story behind um, that door in the the picture there? Uh, uh, We stayed in Cincinnati, Ohio for vacation this year, and that was the door that led into um, the apartment that we stayed in for the week. We got there late. Uh, we got there late on the first night, and so we couldn't see very well. It was a really, you know, tight, tight street and really dark. And, and, and so when we got out of the car, <laughs> we thought there wasn't much there at all, um, to be honest, just because of the way that the door looked. It was just so rustic and cheap looking, you know, like it, did, it didn't look very welcoming, to, you know, to be honest. But um, uh, we opened up the door, and uh, inside, Inside of the place that we stayed, it was extravagant. I got a few pictures of the place that we stayed. I want you to, I want you to see. Um, this was the way inside the apartment. You know, doors can be deceiving, can it? Uh, but, but we were staying in a, a really, really nice um, condo-like thing. And then there's, there's some more pictures of the actual place that we stayed in. Look at that place. I mean, it was beautiful. Uh, it, was, it was a really, really nice place. Um, in a lot of ways, this was a place, a hidden place of refuge. You were safe back there. I mean, it took several doors. You had to have access to several doors to get to, you know, this this gorgeous uh, apartment. Uh, On the outside, it looked deceiving. But on the inside, refuge, uh, rest. When you think of the word refuge, think of the word that that comes to mind. You know, words that come to mind describe the word refuge. Uh, the Hebrew word refuge can mean several things, uh, but it, uh, generally it's going to mean the same. Uh, the Hebrew word for refuge means shelter. 
It means protection from danger. It means protection from distress. Uh, it, it means that which shelters from danger, distress, calamity. It's a protection. Uh, and a longer definition means uh, refuge means a stronghold which protects by its strength or sanctuary which secures safely by its sacredness. Um, to go further, it can mean any, any place inaccessible to an enemy. I like that. Any place that's inaccessible to an enemy. And then the last one is an expedient, uh, an expedient secure protection, uh, protection of refuge, a dwelling place, a high tower, shelter, hope, so to speak. You, you get the point. Uh, a refuge is a safe place. A safe place. I, I was reading about a, a missionary in a missions blog, and um, there was a Kenyan woman. Her name was Margaret, and, and she traveled to the U.S. to receive education on how to reach um, her, her home city there in Kenya. And, and, and upon her graduation, uh, she moved back to Africa, and she wanted to develop a community. She wanted to reach her native people uh, in, in Tanzania for Christ. And so she continued to, to do her work. And this is what she told the Lord. She said, Lord, I, I want to be a channel through which your light will shine through me in, in, a, in a place of darkness. And, and God answered a prayer uh, by drawing her attention towards a group of people who, who were hurt, who were unreachable. Her heart was specifically uh, uh, geared to reaching those who were neglected, who had disabilities. Well, in her context, uh, Margaret uh, remembered that people with disabilities were often regarded um, as rejects, and, 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 and they're, they're, they're kind of cast away, they're kind of uh, thrown out, and, and, and they live lives of lonely existence. Well, in, in Kenya, in Kenya if, you, if you have a child with a disability, they're often abandoned uh, or neglected and, and, and by their parents. In some cases, parents have been known to sacrifice their children to pagan gods. Uh, uh, some, some parents leave their children in other cities, you know, to, be, uh, to beg on the streets. And, and, and then uh, this lady, though, her name was Margaret. She, she decided that she wanted to build a refuge a place of refuge called uh, in, in Gadi, um, or in Getty. And, and this facility that she had built would house 30 abandoned disabled children who were taught that they have worth and value and love from the Lord in Getty. And, and, and she said, this place exists to lead children to a deep fellowship of unconditional love, a place of refuge, a lighthouse for those in need. Isn't that a powerful picture of what a refuge is? In the early days of civilization, just several generations after Adam, we read about how humanity had grown to be incredibly wicked. When we read Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, you notice that Satan's name is never mentioned there. As a matter of fact, his name hadn't been mentioned since Genesis chapter 3. But that doesn't mean that Satan still didn't work. That doesn't mean that his activity and his demonic forces were, were not, were, were at ease. As a matter of fact, those, those attacks intensified. And, and I think about how the enemy's not even mentioned, you know, from chapter 4 to chapter 6. But, but think about this. Uh, that's exactly what he wants. Um, I've heard it said before that the greatest lie that the devil has ever told is to convince people that he doesn't exist. And, and when you get to Genesis chapter 6... You see a sweep 
a sweep of calamity, a, a, a sweep of wickedness, a sweep uh, of evil that the world had, had yet to see. And, and so after sin's initial you know, impact on Adam and Eve, there's this ongoing curse of inherited sin. And, and, and we're born that way. Romans 5.12 says that sin entered through one man. And death through sin. And and in this way, death came to all people. We're we're all infected today. We're all infected. Uh, If you're like me, you don't like the idea of catching anybody's germs, right? You you don't like to do that. Uh, uh, I don't don't like being sick to begin with, but I hate the thought of being sick because of somebody else. And, 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 and And it's how sin works. You know, we're all born into this. We, we caught it at conception. Psalm 51, 15 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. In our sin, we are alienated from God. We are blind to the truth of God's word. We're condemned to physical and spiritual death. We're unable to save ourselves, and, and, and we're in desperate need of help. We're in desperate need of hope. We're in need of refuge. And people in Noah's day, they are no different than the people in our day as well. Uh, they're wicked, ex- exceedingly wicked. It, ha- it hasn't changed. When people don't have Jesus, when people haven't, haven't found refuge in a relationship with Christ, terrible things happen, don't they? I was in the car with our oldest son, Micah, um, and, and earlier this week, and, uh, and I told him that I was, I was going to jail Tuesday night for, for, a, for a ministry meeting, and, and, and all he heard was, I'm going to jail. That's all he chose to hear. To hear. And, 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 of course, he begins asking questions like, are you really going to jail? Why are you going to jail? What did you do? Are you going to be there a long time? Who's going to get you out? You know, all these, all these questions came out. I was like, Mike, it's just a, just a meeting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be getting out just fine. And Micah goes, he goes, bad people are in jail, right, Daddy? And, uh, and I said, no, not bad people, just people who need Jesus. There's two types of people in the world, people that have Jesus and people that don't have Jesus. It isn't about being good. It isn't about being bad. We've all done bad things. That's what I told them. We've all done bad things. These folks just need Jesus, and we go and we try to help them, and we go and talk to them, and we want them to understand who Jesus is. It isn't about being good or bad because, because I could never be good enough to find refuge. All right, and I, could, and, I could, and I couldn't be bad enough to be beyond God's reach or God's grace. It, it's, about being lo- it's about being lost and found, okay? And, and so in Noah's day, people were exceedingly wicked, uh, we read. But, but, but so are people in our times as well. Man's wickedness is great. It was great then, and, and everything, uh, everything, the Scripture says, everything that was on man's mind was evil, and God had enough, that's pretty much the, the background to Genesis 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. God, God had had enough. He, he was grieved in his heart over the sins of humanity. When, when you read about God being sorry or sorrowful over the condition of man, I want you to think of it this way. God sorrowed over their sins like a parent would sorrow over a child's waywardness or rebellion uh, or, or estrangement from, from their parent. The word sorrow, uh, that's, what it, that's what it means. And, and God purposed in his heart, he was so sorrowful over the condition of humanity. He was so sorrowful over that that he purposed in his heart to destroy mankind, to judge mankind. In other words, God wanted to bring judgment 
upon the sin of this world. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. Proverbs 11.19 says, the pursuit of evil brings death. Romans 8.6 says, the mind of the flesh is death. Galatians 6.8 says, the one who sows to please his flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. You understand what I'm reading here? Scripture is very clear. Our sin cannot go unpunished. It does not, it does not uh, uh, go without consequence. It's, it's remembered. It's not brushed under the rug. Though we at times don't take our sins seriously, God always takes our sins seriously. Even the, even the slightest, you know, loose word or thought, God takes seriously. And, and you know, we live in a culture that celebrates sin that publicizes sin, that encourages sin, and, and, and even normalizes sin. And, and folks, uh, uh, from, from me to you, from Scripture to your heart today, that's not all right. doesn't matter what the culture says. doesn't matter what is pushed or promoted. It grieves the heart of God. All sin grieves the heart of God. It breaks his heart to see humanity in its current state where sin is celebrated. So we're thinking about the drugs and the drinking and the gluttony and the sexual immorality and the murdering of innocent life, uh, the anger and rebellion and disrespect that is shown from person to person and so much more. It grieves, it sorrows the heart of God. And in Noah's day, God says, the way that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge mankind's sin is i'm going to bring a flood and 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 so he says a storm is on the way prepare for the storm and in our day a storm is coming as well A, a storm of judgment and condemnation is on the horizon at the return of the lord jesus christ things haven't changed that much from from noah's day to our day that's what i want you to understand i want you to um if you will uh flip into the new testament and go to matthew chapter 24 and I want, you to, I want you to see how it hasn't changed. Matthew chapter 24. Just a few verses there. Verses 36 through 42. It says, but on that day and hour, no one knows. Of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, and until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so will also be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in one field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour that your Lord is coming. What did people need then in Noah's day? They needed a door of refuge. What do people in our day need? A door of refuge. It has not changed. And what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you quickly just two two things about this door of refuge that we see here in Genesis 6 and 7. The first is this. The door of refuge provides shelter from the storm. The door of refuge provides shelter from the storm. Take a look at Genesis 6, verse 13. It says, And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, 
For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Take a look at Genesis 7, verse 4 and verse 23. It says, For after seven more days I will cause it to rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. And then verse 20, verse 23 says, So he destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. This storm that God was talking about, that he was was telling Noah to tell the, the earth about, was a tremendous storm, a horrendous, unimaginable storm. We, we've seen devastation from floods before, left by hurricanes or isolated floods or, uh, or typhoons or storm surges, but never, never has the world experienced flooding like the days of Noah. We're talking about worldwide flooding. The, the flood was God's judgment of a wicked world. And, and God opened the floodgates of heaven in so much that torrential downpours came uh, from heaven to the earth. It says so in verse 20 that the highest mountains were, were covered. It rained like this for 40 days and 40 nights. I mean, you're talking downpour, downpour, downpour for that period of time. Everything outside of the ark was destroyed. 40 days and 40 nights of pouring rain. And you got to think about it. It took that like 40 days and 40 nights of rain, but then they estimate 150 days of the waters rising after the fact. Noah and his family stayed in the ark for over a year. Okay, that's how big of a storm this was. And, and, and what's crazy about it is that God didn't just send the rain. He didn't just say one day, Noah, I'm going to send rain. And the next day it started raining. God told Noah 120 years before the fact that this was, going, this was going to happen. God waited a century for people to find refuge from the storm. He, he prepares a righteous man, Noah, uh, the only righteous man, blameless man on the, on the face of the earth at the time to preach repentance and prepare a vessel of refuge for people to be saved. And what is so sad about this text, and I, I recall, uh, you know, when we studied the book of First Peter saying this too, nobody listened to him. I mean, for 120 years, this guy is, is building an ark a life-saving vessel of refuge, and nobody is listening to him. He, he, he's preaching uh, that, that people need to repent, that people need to believe on the Lord, that people, if they want to live, they will, they will seek refuge by coming onto the ark. Nobody's hearing it. Here's an old man, Noah, a just man, a, a grace-filled man, a man who walked with God, the only one of his kind on the planet, and nobody would hear him. Preaching and preparing refuge, and not a soul would come to repentance. These folks were so immersed in their sins. They were so immersed in their sins, they wouldn't even see their salvation being built right before them. A a storm was coming. Noah was saying, please come. Take, Take refuge. Repent. Believe on the Lord. You can escape this storm. But they wouldn't. The only ones that actually made it on the ark with Noah would be his wife, his children, and their wives. Eight people, I believe. And so it is in our day as well. We know that a storm is coming, don't we? 
We know that, that Christ is, is coming again. We, we know that a storm of eternal proportions is on the horizon. And, and in this time, though, God's not going to bring a flood of water. God's going to bring a flood of fire. Second Peter chapter 3, 3 through 7, Peter said, First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers are going to come scoffing and following their own evil desires. And they will say, where is this coming? People are going to be making fun of it. People are doing it today. Jesus said he was coming back some 2,000 years ago. Where is he now? Where is Jesus now? And Peter, you know, that time ago said, this is going to happen. People are going to make fun of it. They're going to poke fun at it. And they're going to ask the question, where's, where's this coming? He promised, you know, everything, uh, every, everyone since our fathers have died. Everything goes, uh, uh, has, has went since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, Peter wrote, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water with water and by water the world was also destroyed and by the same word the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men i can't say it without a sense of urgency today we have to remember a storm is coming and we should be helping others seek refuge what did noah do noah built an ark noah built a life a life-saving vessel god gave him everything that he needed to build it large enough to hold seven uh, of clean and two of unclean animal of each kind and, and, and large enough to hold people i'm sure many many people the ark was 45 feet tall 450 feet long i mean this thing was a giant a massive vessel, and it was built as the way of refuge from a storm of judgment. And folks, we, don't lo- we, don't, we no longer have an ark, but we have the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and he is our ark of refuge for the storm. The judgment that is coming, there is no way out of it other than through Christ, the door to salvation And I know people hear the gospel and people avoid the gospel and people don't believe the gospel. And you may be asked, well, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is the good news that Christ is the Savior of the world and he's come and he's died and he's been raised to life and he did all that to save us from the coming storm, the judgment, the wrath that is at hand. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says that Scripture couldn't be clear. Jesus delivers us. Jesus, the one that has been raised from the dead, Jesus is the one who delivers us from the wrath to come. And that leads me to the second point today. The door of refuge provides shelter from the storm, but the door of refuge is an invitation to salvation. The door of refuge is an invitation to salvation. I want you to look at Genesis Genesis 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Noah, come into the ark. You and all your household, because I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. The Lord says to Noah, come. Uh, throughout the Bible, the word of the gospel is come. It's the greatest invitation that could ever be extended. When, when, when you read Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary, all who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow Uh, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John uh, John 6.37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast away. This sounds like a really great invitation, doesn't it? And how about this? Revelation twenty two seventeen. the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. This is an invitation to refuge, an invitation to rest, an invitation to deliverance, an invitation to salvation. Everyone on the face of the earth in Noah's time was invited to come through the door of refuge until the flood actually happened on the earth, until the rain started falling. That door stayed open. But we read that only a few took refuge, eight total. And we read that only the righteous, only the righteous entered therein. Chapter 7, verse 1 says, The Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Now, I want you to understand something very important here. Noah was not righteous on his own. And Noah's family, they weren't righteous on their own. This was not about how good Noah was. This is not how, how, how his behavior was. This was not about how good his family was. This was all about how good and gracious God was to allow Noah and his family refuge in the ark. God was gracious to Noah. God chose Noah and his family to be rescued, to allow them the opportunity to be saved. Noah, while he was a righteous man, he was still a man in need of the grace of God. Noah didn't deserve the favor of God. Noah didn't didn't earn the grace of God. God gave it to him, and he will do the same for you. He will do the same for me if we will just come to him, if we will just believe on him. The ark is a door of refuge because it is a perfect picture of salvation in Jesus Christ. Think about this, folks. Think about this. In spite of the devastation that was on the outside of the ark, in spite of the, the flood that was falling, and, and, and think about all, all that, that was being destroyed, literally being swept away uh, by, by, the, by the rainwaters, of all the devastation that was happening on the outside, Noah and his family and the animals were safe on the inside. They found refuge on the inside. The earth in Noah's day was immersed in water, but the ark floated above the water. How did it do that? To to bring Noah to safety, his family to safety. God kept his promises. And this is a powerful picture of the gospel if you've ever seen one. The earth was dead 
The earth was buried in sin. The earth was in judgment, but the ark rose up. What did Jesus do for us? Jesus died, he was buried, and he arose again. And through his work, we have eternal life. We have refuge through Christ in his name. That is the gracious invitation of refuge. And it's still taking place today, right now. The door is still open But it's only open now. Here's the thing about us. We don't know when the storm of judgment will come. We don't know when our time is up. Why wait? Why say, I'll wait? Why say, not now? Why say, I've got time? That's what the people are doing in Noah's day. Uh, for, For 120 years, they made light of the storm that was coming. They didn't believe. They wouldn't come on board. And that is a sobering thought when you read Genesis 7, verse 16. Take a look at Genesis 7, 16. It says, So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God commanded him. And look at this. The Lord shut him in. Do you know what that means? The Lord shut them in, but the Lord also shut people out. Judgment had come. That is a sobering thought. Once that door closed, nobody else was allowed in. Everybody else was shut out. Christ is our refuge today. Christ is our rest today. Christ is our hope today. Christ is our salvation today. There is no other way. Do you not think it odd that God told Noah to build one ark instead of four or five. He told him to build one. God didn't have four or five arks for people to choose which one they wanted to go on. There was only one way to be saved. One ark to be built. And Noah was saying the whole time, come, come now. Accept the invitation before it's too late. This is the door of refuge, folks. It is our shelter from the storm, the cross, but it's also, it's also our invitation to salvation. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Refuge. Think about that word today, refuge. Do you want refuge? If you know Christ today, you know refuge. You have refuge. You have safety. You have protection from the storm that is on the way. But if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Christ, you don't know the protection and the refuge that comes with a relationship with Jesus. And I don't know any other way to say it but to say, come. Come. If you've never given your heart to Christ before, come. Come inside the ark of God's salvation. Come and find refuge. Come and find strength. Come and find help. Come and find eternal life. Come. That door is still open, folks. That door is still open, but it will shut one day. I believe God is calling all of us in Christ to be modern-day Noahs, to preach and teach and call the truth out to those who don't know Christ to come while the door is open. And if you're with us this morning, you've never given your heart to Christ, that invitation rings loud and true today. Jesus says, 
come be saved. Ask Christ to come into your life. Ask him to save you from your sins. Ask him to forgive you and to cleanse you. Believe on him as Savior and Lord and come. There's another part to this invitation today. We've been using the word refuge quite a bit. Rest. Do you need refuge today in your life? I'm encouraging you this morning to rest on Jesus. Find refuge on Jesus. One of the things that I love about Noah and his family is their dependence upon God. God gave them a word. God gave them a command. God gave them direction and they obeyed. They followed. They did exactly what the Lord said. They believed and they rested in that. And they were able to enter into the ark and they were able to understand that whatever was happening on the outside did not affect what was happening on the inside. God was their refuge and God was their strength. And and I wonder today if this message needs to to come across to you in a different way. Maybe someone today needs to find refuge in the Lord. Whatever circumstance you're going through, whatever's happening on the outside, you find safety and strength in Christ in your heart and in your life and in your faith. Believe on Christ. Believe on his word. Do as he says. Pursue him as he pursues your heart. The invitation is to come, not just in eternal life, but in everyday life. You find refuge in Christ. Maybe today you you know someone that needs to hear about Jesus. Maybe it's your time. It's your opportunity to be a Noah and to go and share the gospel and to tell your friends about Christ and to tell your coworkers about Christ and to tell your family about Christ and your peers about Christ. Come, come. Is there one on your heart this morning that that you need to pray for, that you need to lift up to the Lord to save, that you would pray, that you would ask God to give you the boldness and the courage and the sense of responsibility to share the gospel? And then lastly, Noah was faithful to God's call in his life, and he was faithful to the Lord no matter what. And I'm asking you today, are you the same? What has God entrusted you with? Will you be obedient? Will you do just as he says with your family life, with your personal life, with his plan and desires for your life in this church on mission for him? What is God calling you into? And will you be obedient? Father in heaven, I just pray today that there would be a spirit of obedience in our hearts this morning. That we would understand the seriousness of this door of refuge. It is still open for those who don't know Christ. And so, God, I pray that if there's someone that doesn't know Christ, that they would come to you today for salvation, that they would believe on you and trust in you for salvation. I pray today for those that are struggling to find refuge and strength in the Lord in their circumstances, in their life. Will they rest in Jesus' name? Will they understand that you're looking out for them? You never forsake them. You've never left them. You won't do it now. God, you're faithful. And I pray they would find refuge in you. I pray, Lord, today for lost people that don't know Christ, that don't understand the storm that it's on its way. And I pray, God, that we would be so, so in tune, that we would be urgent to share the gospel, that we wouldn't just sit out and that we wouldn't just make excuses about why we can't share or or who we won't share with, but we will actually do it. God, put someone on our heart today that needs to hear about Christ. And then, God, I pray for obedience. I pray, Lord, that whatever you're calling our folks to, our people to, that we would respond with obedience. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. 
and what you're leading us to do. Lord, there's so much that we could respond to in this message today. And I pray that it would rest on our hearts to be obedient in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. Miss, Miss Tammy's going to play for a moment. If you need to respond to this message in any way, if you need prayer, if you need ministry, I'd be honored to pray with you. I'd be delighted to do that. But please, please, let's take refuge in the Lord. Let's find strength in the Lord. If you need to respond in any way, you come. You come.